Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. Uh, and you hopefully have a name yourself. Uh, it may not be the name that you reveal to people because names have power. And as we will see in this episode, many people are not what they purport to be. I feel like we were extra deadpan in this opening today. Am I wrong? It was somewhat unemotional, wasn't it? Oh, a little detached, perhaps? Perhaps uh, lacking a fundamental empathy? Cold and calculating? <laughs> yes. I, I have to say, it's it's just because I noticed in a, the past couple intros, I was all like, hey, I'm Matt, and then we talked about well, something super dark. that's because you are the animated one. Okay. No, he's literally a cartoon, folks. Oh, you're not supposed to... Remember, we're talking about hidden things, power? You're not supposed to... We contain multitudes, as Walt Whitman said. And, you know, if you're familiar with the idea of code switching, wherein someone will adapt a certain, uh, a certain type of language, depending upon the, uh, the people they're speaking with at a given time. Uh, if you're familiar with, uh, people who will have, you know, the, the old Clark Kent Superman Bruce Wayne Batman dichotomy and they're a very, very different person at work. For instance, listeners, Matt, Noel, and I 
hang out and are actually friends in the in the real world. Uh, but that is an exception to a rule because often when you work with someone, which we will explore later, when you work with someone, you are working with a version of that person. You're not working with the person who, you know, Derek from HR may secretly be the world's best fly fisher. Derek is a monster. Derek is a monster wearing human skin. And I don't know how he gets it on every morning, but the, uh, but the point is like you could, you could know the world's best fly fisher. You could know, uh, a monster. You could know, uh, this amazing person, but all they may be to you is another Derek from HR and listeners who are named Derek. On the off chance one of you does work in human resources, I promise you we made this example up. Any resemblances are purely coincidental. Today we are talking about one of the most notorious and one of the most misunderstood mental illnesses in human civilization, and that is psychopathy. I like saying it like that. It's fun. Psychopathy. Yes, you're absolutely right. Psychopathy, when we say it that way, sounds like a, a pursuit of medicine, doesn't it? Yeah, or some kind of like a, like a pterodactyl. <laughs> uh, yes. Like a specific kind of pterodactyl? Sure. Uh-huh. Okay. Let's okay. move on. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. So uh, the first first things first. Widely misunderstood, right? So let's, let's start with our definitions. What is a psychopath? It is a, it, it is, uh, summed up by, uh, Uncle Sam's favorite Federal Bureau of Investigation, uh, with the following quotation. A personality disorder that includes a cluster of interpersonal, affective lifestyle and antisocial traits and behaviors. These involve deception, manipulation, Irresponsibility, impulsivity, stimulation seeking, poor behavior controls, shallow effect, lack of empathy, guilt or remorse, sexual promiscuity, callous disregard for the rights of others, and unethical and antisocial behaviors. Now, if you're saying to yourself, a couple of those, I, I do a couple of those, you know? Right, right. Uh, uh, you're probably not alone. Um, doesn't necessarily make you a psychopath. This is a very broad definition, um, mm. sort of a, uh, a checklist, if you will. But, yeah. you know, I think, uh, many of us are prone to impulsivity from time to time. We all seek stimulation, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, you know, occasionally we behave poorly. That's, that's one of the, that's one of the key points here because doing some of this stuff every so often doesn't make you a villainous person. You know what I mean? Good people exist and good people can do horrible things, especially when they are in a society that normalizes it, right? Uh, this is an unfortunate reality. However, this definition is controversial. For a long time, people believed that psychopaths were largely a construction of uh, the media and these misconceptions about psychopaths can be dangerous. Oh yeah. There's so many, there can be problems when you're having an investigation, let's say for law enforcement. Um, let's say you're just having an interview with someone that you perhaps believe is a psychopath. Oh my gosh. Can we do a fake interview now? Uh, okay. We, we can illustrate it if you want. 
who, who, okay. So you guys will be interviewing me for, uh, to hire me for a job. Okay. At Circuit City. At Circuit City. Can it be Blockbuster? Can it be a combination Circuit City and Blockbuster? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Cause this is going to bring in lots of interesting cross sections. And now, job. now when we do this, bring up questions that would uh, address the things in the personality of a psychopathic disorder. Gotcha. Right? Okay. All right. And five, four, three, two, one. Thank you for coming in, Ben. It's nice to meet you. And, uh, you know, we hope this goes along smoothly and we'll get you started as soon as possible. Okay? We just R- got to... Written videos and uh, selling hard drives. That's right. That's an absolute pleasure. Uh, it, you know what? I want to thank you guys so much for the hard work that you do. Brian, Nigel, this is the start of something big. Uh, this is, this is beyond Circuit City. I've always loved circuits. I've always loved videos. I've loved renting things and I am enamored of this. I cannot wait. Here, let me, let me shake your hands. I, uh, I got you guys each a present. Here you go. Oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. a little, that's a little forward, Ben. You're, you know, we really appreciate what uh-huh. you're saying here. These are yeah. great things. Yeah. We, we just, uh, we need to get into this really sure. fast. Yeah. Into the meat of the responsibilities required to properly, um, man a Circuit City blockbuster location. Right. Oh, and, uh, thank you so much, Nigel. Let's jump in. Big part of uh, the job mm. will be dealing with people. How I do you feel about people? people? Let me let me them. finish. Can I finish? Oh, please do. Can I finish? How do you feel about people? Feel. Oh yeah, yeah. I I feel things. I've felt things. I've been a person with uh, emotions. People have those. That's great for them. I mean us. I mean you know. So let's do a little role playing here. Let's do a little scenario, um, where you are, uh, faced with a customer who has a complaint about their videotape that they have rented. And they also, as it turns out, have a faulty USB stick and they're coming to you to rectify this situation. Why? Because it's your job. Why should I help them though? Because it's your job. Well, they trust you. You're, you're an employee here at Circuit City Blockbuster. Well, that's their fault. Interesting. And scene. Just like an example, very, very slapdash. And for the psychopaths in the audience, we are not, we are not mocking you. We are hoping to exhibit that emotional disconnect. So when Noel playing Nigel and when Matt playing Brian were interviewing this guy at the, the, at the Circuit City, Slash blockbuster. Uh, there was the question where they said, "How do you, you know, feel? What What are your feelings? What What would you do if someone had a problem?" And we were hoping to exhibit that fundamental disconnect. So psychopaths repre- are represented in all races, all cultures, all socioeconomic backgrounds. Every continent, except for Antarctica, of course. Every uh every income level, every creed, you know. However, and this may interest uh fans of our fellow podcasters, uh stuff mom never told you, it turns out that statistically speaking, more men are psychopaths rather than women. 
and you know, fake dichotomy of gender aside, uh, there, there's some in- interesting methodology there because it may, may well be the case, like we've talked about with serial killers, that just more men are caught. Mm-hmm. Perhaps there are more, uh, that perhaps there are more women who are just better at hiding psychopathy. So some are intelligent, others will be, you know, not so much. Not so much. Not as much as you would expect. Mm-hmm. Hannibal Lecter's, they are not all, you know, and this goes into, um, this goes into some of the media stuff. All right. So psychopaths do understand right from wrong. So the example we did earlier when I was doing some character who didn't, didn't get, you know, why it would be bad to steal a laptop. The thing is, they know they are subject to society's rules, but they will disregard them to pursue their own interests. If we return back to that FBI uh, quote, the definition, I think to me the most telling points are the ones that really ring true the most are at the very end. Callous disregard for the rights of others and unethical and antisocial behavior. Um, and in addition to that, the ones at the beginning, deception, manipulation, irresponsibility. because. The character that you played, Ben, starts off by trying to put on that human mask. You know, it's a big, big thing to try to overcompensate almost for a lack of empathy by attempting to display this overt, you know, almost cartoonish, as you like to say, Ben, um, display of fake empathy uh, to, you know, the interviewers even it did not sit right right you know mm-hmm. we're sort of looking at each other like what's the deal with this guy you know it's a <laughs> blockbuster circuit city job it's not exactly you know uh bringing about world peace this guy is way too overly enthusiastic but to me the idea of a disregard for the rights of others that is a big part of psychopathy where an individual wants to control others and sees them as objects rather than um, individuals that have feelings and that have, you know, a life. It's more like pieces on a chessboard that they can manipulate and control to their own ends. But people are just objects in space, are we not? Well, if you have a God complex, that could be, you know, the way you look at it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so that, that's an excellent point is that lack of empathy. Uh, you know, the thing is that according to current research, although it's most often manageable, psychopathy is not a curable, uh, a curable condition. And now it's, now we should discuss while we're establishing definitions, we should, we should correct one of the, the biggest misconceptions about being a psychopath, which is the debatable difference between a psychopath and a sociopath. And what, what do we, what do we know about this difference? To find the difference between these two disorders, we look to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders or the DSM. Uh, edition five, fifth edition. What a sexy name. You know, I just quick sidebar here. Yeah. My wife is a psychologist. A lot of people know that on the show already. Mm-hmm. And as they make changes to the DSM, it is really strange to see how vastly different disorders become and how mm-hmm. they get categorized and, and defined because homosexuality 
for uh, a long time in the early days of the DSM. It was listed it was as a disorder, right? Yeah, absolutely. That's and then, you know, stunning. look at the autism spectrum now and all these mm-hmm. other things. Anyway, let's get back in right here. So the fifth edition, which is the latest one, uh, 2013 is when it came out. It shows that there are common behavioral traits that are shared uh, between both of these. Sociopaths and psychopaths. So, yes, yeah, sociopaths and psychopaths, but there are many differences. What they share is the disregard for laws and social mores, disregard for rights of others, a failure to feel remorse or guilt, a tendency to display violent behavior. And in addition to these commonalities, they have all of these differences. So maybe uh, could you describe just the average sociopath in, in, in broad strokes and sociopaths in the audience, of course, are are offended, I imagine, by being described as average in any way. <laughs> sorry. Not sorry. Okay. Uh, so sociopaths tend to be, uh, easily agitated, a little nervous, mm-hmm. maybe. Uh, they can be volatile, prone to emotional outbursts, fits of rage. You take that back. Yeah, it's, it's possible. Um, sociopaths are likely to be uneducated, at least somewhat, live on the fringes of society, unable to hold down a steady job or even really stay in any particular place for a very long time. Because you have to, to stay in a job or stay in mm-hmm. a place, you have to be able to work in some way with groups of other people. Yes, hold down, holding down a job can be tremendously difficult for both of these groups. Mm-hmm. Um, many sociopaths are able to form some kind of attachment to like, one person, an individual, perhaps. Yeah, Manson um, family style. Sure, maybe one group of people that they're able to really blend in with. Um, but really, overall, they seem to have no regard for society in general, its rules, its laws, uh, things that make it go on. I would imagine, too, those attachments could border on the obsessive and are not necessarily healthy in any way. Yeah, well, you know, cult-like, right? none of us are psychologists, but yes, I, I can imagine that that is absolutely true. So any crimes, at least the FBI, uh, the FBI contends that any crimes committed by a sociopath will tend to be impulsive, spontaneous, haphazard. I don't know why I emphasized it that way, but that does sound pretty cool. Haphazard. Uh, so... No, on the other hand, what would you, what would you say a psychopath would be like? Psychopaths, on the other hand, are completely unable to form emotional attachments of any kind or feel empathy with anyone. So while a sociopath might have, you know, an obsession with a person, maybe someone at work that they sort of hold up as this, the, you know, kind of like a object of their affection or a close unrequited, family group, you know, yeah. perhaps, or yeah, or a close family member, maybe, you know, a mother or father or a, a sibling, perhaps. Um, this psychopath would be completely isolated from any kinds of relationships like that. Um, go to great lengths, in fact, to isolate themselves. Psychopaths are uh, much more manipulative and good at it. Oh, thank you. Psychopaths are able to successfully mimic emotion and, as as we mentioned at the top of the show with our little scene, kind of give off this false sense that they have empathy or that they can relate to somebody. They are ultimately just trying to twist to their own ends and appear 
to be completely normal to unsuspecting people. Um, psychopaths are often very well educated, whether within a system of education, higher learning, or just their own like job experience. Yeah, or job experience, sure. Or even just, you know, home, home learning. They are obsessed with details and they will go to great lengths to, you know, find out as much information as they can about what they're interested in. Uh, some are so good at manipulation and mimicry that they have families, as you often hear about the guy next door. He families, was so quiet. long-term relationships. They had no idea. We had no idea. He was so nice. He always was outside mowing his lawn. He would give us the paper. All of these acts, though, figure into that greater charade of trying to put on that human mask, you know, and be seen as a productive member of society. That's an interesting thing because one of the key differences is that when committing crimes, right, or what society regards as crimes, psychopaths will carefully plan out every detail in advance and have a escape plan, a plan B, a contingency. So whereas a sociopath will commit something impulsively, a psychopath will be cool and calm and thorough. And these crimes might not be violent, you know. It might just be stealing a laptop from Circuit City slash Blockbuster. <laughs> it, it, or a VHS copy of Captain Ron. You know, which a lot of people, that's really hot right now. I know. In the I black market. Should have gone with Cabin Boy. Yeah, you sank a lot of money into the VHS bootleg trade yep. and cabin boy. You want to talk about a few examples though of this kind of calculatedness? I know you say it didn't have to be a violent crime, right. which is true, but a, a good example of this kind of calculatedness can be seen in serial killers that are caught. So for example, Jeffrey Dahmer, you know, he was looking for a very specific type of person that he wanted to abduct that would fulfill his, you know, fetish or his sexual fantasy. Mm-hmm. He ultimately wanted to turn these people into zombies. Undead, you know, sex, undead slaves. sex slaves. So he had a very, very specific plan laid out for how to earn these people's trust at these clubs where he would, uh, you know, seek somebody out. And once he had injected himself into a situation with the his mark, more or less, he would uh, have them, you know, kind of ply them with drinks and then ultimately drug them and take them home and do what he wanted to do with them, which, like we said, was some pretty grisly stuff that involved, mm. you know, drilling holes in their craniums and um, causing them to be completely brain dead and pliable for whatever he wanted to do. But the point is... He had a plan. He had a very specific plan outlined for how to accomplish his goals. And as he continued to do it over time, he refined that plan. So it's all just very calculated, you know, um, callous behavior that is refined over time. Whereas, like you say, Ben, a sociopath would be much more impulsive and might, you know, do something in the heat of the moment. But there is not that level of fastidious study that goes into Mm -hmm. the process. Yeah, that's a great point. Another example would be Ted Bundy, for instance, who Ted Bundy, notorious serial killer and rapist, who was uh, active during the 1970s, also a necrophile. Uh, He eventually confessed to 30 homicides in seven states during the uh, latter half of the 1970s. But no one knows how many women he actually killed 
and he would exploit these people when their trust. He actually defended himself in court and then charmed the judge who said, you, sir, would have been a fantastic attorney. Uh, despite his psychopathic charm, his case fell apart when he was identified uh, as his dental records matched bite marks on the bodies. And that's tough to walk away from, even if you are a, a slick-talking Ted Bundy psychopath. So one of the biggest differences, which we'll get into in a bit, is that sociopaths can learn this behavior, childhood trauma. You know, unfortunately, the world is a terrible place for a lot of children. Uh, this this early trauma can influence an individual, removing the fundamental pieces of the engine that makes someone a human in a society. However, more and more evidence indicates, and this is fairly controversial, that there may be a genetic basis to psychopathy. And we'll get more into that after we take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop. Podcast producer? Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With their easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424 Two four to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more 
while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's talk about some statistics here. And and before we dive into these statistics, I want to ask you guys, Noel, Matt, when when you first hear like the word psychopath, wh- what do you think of? Any anything is fine. Anything is fine. For me, it's it films and television. Mm-hmm. I just finished season five of Dexter. Mm, yeah, and Dark Passenger and stuff. Yeah. Sure, yeah, that's what that's what's in my head currently, at least at this mm-hmm. moment. I know I'm behind the times. With Dexter. Also, you know, uh, iconic films, Psycho. Sure. Uh, Alfred Hitchcock. That American kind of Psycho. Oh yeah, absolutely. Christian Bale. I like, I have a picture of Christian Bale in my head. What, what about you, Noel? I'm a big fan of American Psycho as well, cause it's kind of like, it almost pokes fun at the model of psychopathy a little bit and, and the way it, uh, it gels so well with corporate um, attitudes. And, you know, we've actually done an episode in the past on, is my boss a psychopath? Uh, and I think uh, American Psycho is a really good kind of synthesis of, of a lot of those concerns. Mm-hmm. Feels like an American uh, version, sure, of psychos. So what's interesting is that in our video episode this week, uh, we look at the chances that you may have met a psychopath. It is possible the the numbers are the numbers are important because they're dubious. It's difficult to really know if these are people who are skilled at manipulation, if they are also practicing for most of their lives to, you know, hiding their true nature, then, of course, these aren't self-reporting people. It's not like a, a measure of statistics of people who have blue or green or hazel eyes, right? Those are some of the rarest eye colors, but they're readily apparent. Yeah, you don't have to sign on a government document anywhere that you're a psychopath. Uh, like, you don't have to admit to it. On not anything. not yet. Maybe big data can track someone's social media activity or internet usage. And, oh, gosh. There is there's some stuff coming out with looking at tweets. Really? And tracking if someone is uh, displaying psychopathic well, behaviors. Well, you know, we often say uh, between the three of us on this show that if the NSA is tracking us or paying attention, I mean, they're all, they have their weird Illuminati eye on everybody, but if they're, if there's an actual person tracking our show, it's probably an intern. I like to think his name is Steve. And I feel so bad for Steve for having to listen to this. So Steve, if you are, if you are tracking our social media activity, please let Noel and I know if Matt is a psychopath. Well, here's the thing. They wouldn't be tracking our show. They would be tracking us individually. Have you guys heard of the anime called Psychopaths? <laughs> um, it's, no. it's about like sort of like a futuristic society where uh, tracking technology has gotten so good that law enforcement have these guns called the Dominator, Dominators. The idea is that each weapon is matched with its owner and the weapon scans a subject, does psychological tests, matches it with database records and determines whether or not to use lethal force or not. Wow. Oh, yeah, smart weapons. That's something we should get into also uh, in more in-depth. We could do an entire episode on that. And 
that that may indeed be a a plausible future, you know. And is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing for the gun owners in the audience? Uh, do you do you believe that you should have a gun that can only be fired by you, right, or, or programmed for you? Do you have Do you believe that you should have a weapon that evaluates your mental state? at the time before it allows you to use it. So for many, 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 many people, psychopaths are those, those creatures of fiction. You know, they're chasing folks with chainsaws. They're dressing up in drag and stabbing some blonde lady in a motel somewhere out in the American heartland. But in real life, the only defining feature is that there may be a profound selfishness, a lack of emotion, little to no conscience. And let's talk about numbers. So you'll hear widely varying estimates. And you'll find some people that say, oh, you have probably met a psychopath because one in a hundred people are psychopaths. And then you'll find another number that says, nope, 1% of the global population will be psychopathic and you know, there's another question here, whether this is a, a yes, no, red, green kind of red, green light kind of thing, like psychopath, not psychopath, or whether it's a spectrum, right? And some people have these traits. If we take the position that 1% of the U.S. population or 1% of the global population, rather, is, uh, you know, is psychopathic, then we would say... We're recording this in September of 2016. Mm -hmm. There are 7.4 billion-ish people on the planet, and several people just got born, as I said, the last sentence. There are 7.4 billion, 1% of the population is composed of psychopaths, then the world has 74 million psychopaths right now, and some of you are probably listening. I hope you're having a good day. Uh your chances of meeting one then seem pretty remote, right? That's, that's winning a dark lottery. Uh, however, although these, these estimates may slip back and forth, the question is, what are your odds of running into a psychopath? So for perspective here, the nation of Thailand has roughly 68 million people. In it living there. And if all of the psychopaths estimated in the world gathered in one place, they would be a country larger than Thailand. Wow. That'd be a fun place to visit. <laughs> oh, man. Can you imagine just going to any store or driving on the street? I think everybody would be charming on the street. I know. Every, it would be so great. <laughs> so, Ben, Matt. Yeah. What are the odds that me, Noel Brown, walking around town, would meet a psychopath. I have to recuse myself. I'm kidding. Here's where it gets crazy. Your odds of running into a psychopath, while they may seem remote, are probably going to be higher depending upon the industries in which you work. So... These are people who are disguising themselves. Do you remember the, the theme to Transformers? Robots in disguise. This is more like monsters in disguise. The human mask. 
the human mask. Yes, just so, as you said. So there is a larger percentage of psychopaths uh, in, in several fields, in politics, in sales, in high-level corporate entities. There's also a problem with the methodology here. Because if there are people who are professionally, passionately disguising themselves, then, you know, going back to our earlier example about eye color, it won't be apparent. No, Matt, listeners, if you are a psychopath, if you actually have this inability to participate in the human enterprise of empathy, then you are so dedicated to hiding this, you know, you, I, I can see these people in a group, right? Someone makes a joke and this person laughs the loudest a second after they see that everybody else is laughing and they go, Oh, it's time to laugh. And this, this means that, um, this means that Given your profession, your situation, you will have a much higher chance of running into one of these individuals. This will not be a 1% dark lottery for you. It may very well be a reality of your daily life. For people who have been uh, incarcerated in the past or someone you know has been incarcerated in the past, you will be interested to hear about the research by a fellow named Robert Hare. Robert Hare, who we cite in our video series, wrote a book called Without Conscience, The Disturbing World of Psychopaths Among Us. And he is the one who developed a, a checklist, like you said earlier, Noel, of various behaviors adding up, aggregating into a, a certain, uh, you know, a, a certain threshold of mm-hmm. psychopathic behavior. And he found that while maybe 1% of the global population on average will suffer from this disorder, in excess of 20% of the inmate population satisfies his definition of a psychopath. Wow. So that means that your chances of running into someone in prison who feels no empathy, no remorse, is about one in five. Which is, which is a, a startling statistic and it is, and it is debatable. So we were talking about how these people will be identified or identify themselves or disguise themselves. And you know what, Noel, this reminds me of a video that you and I worked on when we were traveling New York. We spent a uh, spoiler alert, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we spent several days while Matt was holding down the fort here at stuff they don't want you to know. Uh, we, Noel and I happened to get this opportunity to hunt down buildings that did not want to be found in New York. These were fake buildings that were designed to look like, uh, brownstones. Yeah. Like, um, you know, townhouses, brownstones. Um, there was one of them that was pretty much an entire city block in the Bronx. Um, the idea is that they are intended to blend in with their surroundings and deceive. What does that sound like? Right. Exactly. That's the, that is what, if, if a person is a building, those buildings are psychopaths. Yeah. And, and how do they blend in, right? How do the buildings blend in? How do the humans blend in? Mm -hmm. We're going to learn about that right after we hear from a word from our sponsor. 
Snag a Job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop. Podcast producer? Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With their easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. Visit snagajob.com or text snag to 2424. Two four to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited-time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. You know, you guys, I no, I thought you did a really good ending Indian line there. That was very radio voice. Thank you. And uh, you can tell by the speech pattern that you are not a psychopath. We are identifying uh, psychopaths increasingly. We being the human species experts, not necessarily the the three of us and all of mm-hmm. all of you listening here, uh, who are of course uh, the most important part of this show. Uh, do you notice a uh, part of what I'm doing here? in uh, my speech patterns. It's hard for me to tell what it is, but it certainly sounds different. It's giving me the creeps. You got the willies? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, the willies, the Alabama shakes. Sounded like a president 
trying to give a speech where you're being very deliberate about every word you said. So there is a pretty, there's a pretty convincing study. And we, when we say this, we want a disclaimer here. We don't want anybody to diagnose someone as a psychopath, being that this is a controversial definition. Oh, and we should also point this out. This is stuff they don't want you to know. The they in this episode could be your boss, could be your friend, could be your lover, could be your child, could be your relative, right? They would be the psychopaths that you may have met. They might be you if you were a psychopath and you were listening today. So a fascinating study came out in September of 2011 and was called Hungry Like the Wolf, a word pattern analysis of the language of psychopaths. And the reason that I was playing around with speech a little bit in that last thing where you guys noticed something was uh, what I guess Chuck Bryant would call hinky Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, is the following. Psychopaths, in, in comparison to a control group, include more rational cause and effect descriptions. So because of this or since this focused on material needs, like I'm hungry, I'm thirsty, I'm poor or whatever. And there are fewer references to social needs or, you know, the more spiritual stuff like uh, family, religion, love. You know what I mean? And Psychopath speech also, this is key, contained a higher frequency of what are called disfluencies. And these are the uhs, the ums. So I was saying a lot of uhs. And also, also I tend to say uhs pretty often. Hopefully I am not a psychopath. I, I, try, just, to, I try to edit those out when I can. I know, but there's so many, you know. I was just saying I was imagining myself there. Saying, um, every moment. Right. That doesn't mean that we are necessarily madmen. This, this indicates in this study, this indicates that describing a quote unquote powerful emotional event to another person is relatively difficult because it's like you're, it's similar to when you're watching something streaming versus watching something that already exists on your computer. There's some sort of transit there's time. Buffering, yeah. yeah. There's buffering. That's the mm-hmm. word. Exactly. So there's this buffering thing. Um, you know, this makes me think of the replicant test in Blade Runner. Sure. Where they measure someone's dilation, right? Of the, of the pupils when they describe like there's a turtle. The turtle. It's on its back. It can't get up. You see it. Like, why? What? Right. What? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so with this in mind, uh, with this in mind, there starts to be an illuminating um, speech pattern, right? The, at least according to this study. So psychopaths also, their final note, uh, psychopaths also used more past tense and less present tense verbs in their narrative, which the scientists took to mean uh, there was a greater psychological detachment from an incident, right? However, there's, there's one difference in that, in that final point. And that difference is that the people they were interviewing 
were psychopathic homicide offenders based on the checklist devised by Robert Hare. So of if my question is, are you more likely to use past tense when you're in prison? I think you I mean, may yeah. well be. Yeah. Uh, their conclusion is that, I will quote this, these language differences, presumably beyond conscious control, support the notion that psychopaths operate on a primitive but rational level. The important part there is in the beginning where they say presumably beyond conscious control. So the argument is that with these people who are skilled manipulators and deceptive, these living Decepticons, to do another Transformers reference, they are unable to control these small patterns of speech. And this means that there would be an underlying factor here. So that is one of the giveaway signs. Now, I certainly hope that no one is going to go around thinking, that guy says, uh, a lot. I know. That guy says, um, quite a bit. Uh, any, any one of these things on this checklist, right? Any of these descriptors, it makes me nervous that people will just be looking for these now in people they walk past, people they love, people, you know, they work, they work with. Um, oh God, I just said, um, (laughs) it's making me so paranoid. (laughs) No, uh, one thing before we, before we move too far beyond it. Uh, when we did the episode that you mentioned, Noel, about is whether someone's boss is a psychopath, we found some pretty fascinating, disturbing statistics. So if, if psychopaths are 1% of the global population, identified psychopaths, once you get to about middle management level in corporate America, at least, about 4% of people are going to be psychopaths, which is, Mm. which is weird because it also, I think it, I think it explains partially the actions of corporate entities. Oh, wow. When the people that are controlling them towards the center and top have these callous disregard for everybody else. Certainly a lack of empathy there. Mm-hmm. And a, um, you know, I don't know if, if, if anyone out there has ever dealt with higher level corporate types, but there is a certain, uh, God, I keep saying it, human maskiness about them, you know, with the glad handing and all of the, uh, cry, yeah, exactly. This idea of sort of trying to relate to people on the ground sort of that are beneath them, quote unquote, in the corporate structure. And, um, usually it's quite obvious that, that they don't actually care about anybody except for the bottom line and their ability to, uh, kind of steer people's actions toward whatever metric will make them look best. You know, Robert Hare had a very interesting quote about that. Someone was asking him, about his study with prisoners and the reports of people meeting the, his threshold for psychopathy in the corporate world. And he said, you know, I would love to have interviewed some of those people because I think the number might even be higher. And, and of course, uh, corporate entities are, are brutal and we are reaching 
arguably the age of the corporation rather than the age of the state. Oh, that sounds like a good podcast episode. You know what? Maybe it would be. I don't know. Maybe we should do that. What do you think? Yes. Yeah, you think so? Uh, let us know what you think, listeners. There's one thing, other thing we should follow up on here, and that is the argument that there is a genetic, a genetic, um, factor in psychopathy. Have you ever heard of something called the warrior gene? Sounds familiar, but I couldn't tell you what it was. So this is, this is tremendously controversial because so much of the history of modern science is dictated by institutionalized racism. Essentially we have phrenology, right? You could tell by the bump on an Irishman's head that he was made for larceny and insolence. Mm, <laughs> eugenics and eugenics as well. Uh, eugenics being eugenics being like, well, it's, it's a crime not to sterilize the Welsh. Oh, wow. You know, quick and dirty reader's digest. <laughs> sure, version. sure, sure. But, but the, this, this idea that is very close to the Christian concept of original sin, uh, is, is that there are inborn things that determine the course of a person's life. Research is indicating that there may be an inborn Gene, a, a, a genetic aspect, a fundamental part of someone's DNA that makes them more likely to be a psychopath. The idea of a criminal gene is nonsense, but the roots of what becomes a Dahmer, what becomes a Ted Bundy, may indeed be something that is there from the moment that person is formed. So people know that genes play a wide, like an important role in behavior. Stuff You Should Know has an excellent episode about epigenetics, which is that the behaviors of our ancestors or our, our, our parents or grandparents will affect the way our genes manifest. Right? Possibly, right? Possibly. It is debatable. However, there, there are studies that say, that show this has worked in certain situations, uh, related to physical things. Yeah, tragedies. Like, yeah, likelihood of diabetes, for instance. However, what, what we're finding is that, you know, the study of behavioral genetics is very, 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 what's the new safe word? Problematic? Is that really the new safe word? It is for me and Ben. Yeah. Okay. It's problematic. Ooh. So there's a, uh, there's a low expression variant of MAOA and it's known as MAOAL. And it's been linked in various studies with an increased risk of violent and aggressive behavior. So if we want to get into the inside baseball of it, studies essentially showed this. The gene M AOA encodes monoamine oxidase A, and that's an enzyme that degrades uh, neurotransmitters like dopamine, noradrenaline, serotonin. So this disorder, if there's a rare genetic disorder caused by a mutation in this gene, having MAOAL instead of MAOA, uh, this deficiency can cause an excess of these transmitters 
which will lead to an excessively impulsive behavior, hypersexuality, sleep disorder, extreme mood swings, a tendency toward violence, also known as Bruner syndrome. And people disagree over the science, but they also furthermore disagree about the implications of this. And here's the other thing. This variant, M-A-O-A-L, is common. It occurs in approximately 40% of the population. Whoa. So if 1% of the population is exhibiting psychopathic behavior, then it can't be just nature. There has to be some nurture involved Mm -hmm. as well. Or lack of nurture, maybe. Or lack of nurture as well. So this is where we reach toward our conclusion. And we don't want anyone to feel that they're listening to this show and maybe on a road trip and looking over at the person with them in the car and thinking, you know, how much, how well do I know Derek from HR? Sure. He says, uh, a lot. Monster. He might be a monster. He might be wearing a mask of human skin. No, we don't want you to think that. And we also don't want you to think that we take this lightly in any way, because this is a mental illness that we've been speaking about this entire time that affects real people in real ways. And it doesn't mean just because someone displays traits of this, it doesn't right. mean they're going to be violent. Mm-hmm. It, it does not mean that it just means that they may be a little deceptive. Well, it also, it also means that we are as a species in an age where we are still learning about ourselves. We are the original pieces of technology that we still don't completely understand. And we are able to build amazing things. We are not at this point able to build a person. We're, we're reaching toward genetic modification. We also have to ask ourselves every time that a gene exists or propagates, 40% of the population is a hell of a number. And, yeah. and we always have to ask ourselves why a certain gene became successful. Why did it propagate? Does the world need psychopaths in some ways? Are psychopaths more likely to be Good soldiers, good politicians are psychopaths lacking empathy or fear more likely to be someone there in a clutch to save a life, to do a job because they don't suffer from the, uh, the, the identification. Like, could they be better surgeons because they don't feel uh, a, a discomfort when they see someone bleeding out? It's almost more of an adaptation instead of a, you know, Disorder. Perhaps. Perhaps. Interesting to think about. Yeah. And of course, as Matt said at the top, we are not trained psychologists. We do not endorse self-diagnosis or diagnosing someone else. Mm -hmm. If you do have concerns about yourself, a loved one, someone you know, seek professional medical advice. And if they are a surgeon, (laughs) <laughs> and they might operate on us later. Please feel free to uh, not tell them about our speculation regarding surgeons and psychopaths. That would be great. That would be great. Yeah. yeah. And with that said, we are 
off to do a little bit more. We've got some, uh, we've got some interesting stuff coming up on the way. So please tune in. But more importantly, let us know what you think. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I don't know why I said the last one like a curse word. Hey, find us on Google Plus. Everybody uses that, right? <laughs> we've got MySpace. We've got a live journal. We've got, um, a Friendster. 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 Yep. <laughs> SoundCloud. <laughs> Right. SoundCloud's still a thing. I know. That's what I'm saying. We're actually on SoundCloud. (laughs) Find us on all those internet spaces, that digital cloud. Also, uh, if you have time and if you, if you appreciate the show or if you want your friends to know about it, uh, you're feeling charitable, generous, philanthropic. Your way of giving back could be leaving us a review. Yeah. Especially on iTunes, on what stitcher there are all kinds of places you can leave a review doesn't have to be positive that would be great if it was but it doesn't have to be no it really should be positive please matt you are clearly the least psychopathic person amongst the three of us you have such empathy man it's just you know cool i want people to just give us the straight truth let us know (laughs) that's what we seek here how very agent Mulder of you uh so also uh also so you know we've been getting a lot of email recently and we appreciate it and we read every single one we've got so much now that pretty soon i think we should do a listener episode i think maybe we should do that very soon Mm -hmm. all right well if you want to be part of that you can write to us and tell us the stuff that you think your fellow listeners should hear you can contact us directly we are conspiracy at howstuffworks.com BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Attention, true crime enthusiast, searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your trusted companion for CBD relief. With a commitment to transparency, Lazarus Naturals oversees every step from farm to doorstep, ensuring purity and quality you can trust. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today and discover how CBD can help you decompress and recharge for your next investigation. That's LazarusNaturals.com. Lazarus Naturals. Your partner in unraveling the mysteries of true crime. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch vertical speedway. 
And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.